0: Welcome to this week's out of the podcast. We're coming in energized for this one, feeling great. I got Fancy Dan on the mic. Who's Mike? <laughs> Who's Mike? Uh Mike is helping out today. Uh yeah. I'm Mike. Take playing the part of gentleman Joey.
1: Good to see you buddy. Good to see you as well. Thanks for the last That's... minute
0: call in, the tag in, you know I It's Sunday morning, you know I went to I don't know church.
1: Did you? No, I don't think so.
0: Mike does, yeah.
1: Yeah, Mike does maybe. Not, you, were, you were maybe going to the Church of, uh, of Cinema.
0: I'm glad I'm playing <laughs> the part of Gentleman Joey so convincingly that you think that maybe that's what happened. But Mike, yeah, Mike uh, Mike had some breakfast with his family,
1: his kids. That's nice.
0: Yeah, they're doing great, Dan. Thanks for asking. Great.
1: No, I'm glad to hear it.
0: Any other questions for Mike before he becomes Joey again?
1: Nope. I, All think, right. that, I think that covers it.
0: Great. Well, there goes less time to kill on this lightning-fast episode, I'm predicting. Uh, how's everything? What'd you watch? What do you bring into the show? <laughs> what,
1: what do, do I bring? Uh, this morning I watched actually a movie that I, I, I had on my list for a long time and actually had never seen is uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, oh, okay. And uh, I, I've been wanting to see it for, man, as long as I can remember, it's been a while. Um, Before you are and- even born, right? Oh, I mean, definitely. But just thinking in terms of like, you know, Pacino, Sydney Lamette, just stuff like that. Just it's, it's been there, but I haven't watched it. But actually, it's on the TCM uh, section of uh, HBO Max. So I, I was able to watch it this morning. And yeah, I thought it was great. It was a really good movie. So I really enjoyed that. So that was the most recent thing between that. And I got, I picked up that Idol Lapina box set from uh, uh, Kino. Kino. It came out yep. a couple years ago. So I haven't started it yet, but um, that'll be my, my week. Beginning to it this week. How about you?
0: I watched the new Jackass. That's about it.
1: Oh boy, <laughs> is that uh, is that Oscar worthy? Do you think
0: it was what it was? I mean, <laughs> I wish there was more pranks in it. I always like the pranks more so than the you know bodily harm.
1: Yeah, that's fine. I'm gonna admit something to you that I've never really discussed with anyone before. Anyone? Wow, this is a secret exclusive. I've never watched anything Jackass related in my life.
0: That sounds about right. I don't nothing. think anyone's surprised by that.
1: Nothing. Okay. Yeah. Nothing, rel- nothing relative to it whatsoever. It just never.
0: Nothing about the way you carry your life and who you are speaks that you may have dabbled into <laughs> anything like that.
1: I guess that speaks well me. I don't, I don't know how to take that. But... It's a tough
0: call. I think at the time it might've been better, but I think we're realizing maybe people need it a little more.
1: Yeah, a I mean, there's definitely, in their
2: lives. yeah
1: i mean yeah i don't know i mean there's obviously there's like ridiculous things that i enjoy but i just no i just never it never appealed to me i never never got into it never really watched it just kind of i mean i was aware of it but it just was never really in my uh a little too young for it probably when did it come out it was like 99
0: 2000 probably i mean we're not that far off in age
1: i mean yeah I, but
0: I... you weren't in high school yet you know that's the time
1: yeah, I mean, I was I was just about in high school. I was, not, not good enough. Yeah, I was knocking on the door of high school.
0: High school is when you're like, hey, let's actually go do these stunts, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I wasn't that. I wasn't that adventurous. Um, <laughs> 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 Why were you doing those things at home? Oh, absolutely, yeah. But even before that, it really, it just
0: kind of gave us the idea of like, oh, we could film this.
1: Did you have those stored away somewhere?
0: In, I, in my personal archives but someone's got something for sure uh,
1: someone's got some archives of. yeah uh...
0: i remember we had like a night sesh where we 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 had the, a camera going and and some good stuff came out of it but i mean i remember people would like edit together their own like skate films with stuff like i mean mm-hmm. it was you know we had a lot of derivatives for sure yeah but it was a very inspiring time i mean it was a it was a time that really showed you you can do these things yourself you know in a way like punk rock kind of was like it, it was just like you're just motherfuckers with a camera you know making stuff and, and yeah finding a way to make it cohesive and just making compilations you know like it doesn't always have to be a story you can find a way to make something entertaining it, it was just a very fascinating and, and uh creative time it was cool cool you know pre-internet uh, you yeah. know or i mean it was around it was early, like early pre-youtube yeah. really i should say yeah because i mean you know there's the internet and then there's the internet after youtube and that's kind yeah. of shaped our society to this humor derived from memes sort of thing i don't know i don't want to be an old man on a tangent here but yeah i don't know <laughs> well, times we were better to... when we were just filming ourselves in shopping carts doing music. yeah yeah. i gonna say the
1: final geocities Geo and angel fire websites that you posted them on you know
0: shout out to all my bands that had those angel fire yeah. and geocities websites spaz monkey
1: was i remember the f- that
0: was mm. my was uh yeah and then um my my band aurora illinois had a geocities website i wish
1: it existed in some form because that was something yeah what, what about you did you make websites no, not at that early stage. No, I, I wasn't super into it. I know I had friends bands that had them. Yeah. But not me personally. No.
0: Is it the generation divide I'm talking about, Dave? It's the websites. Yeah. That's how you know the websites and the not watching of jackass.
1: <laughs> that's the delineation you make. I, apparently, hey, I didn't do it. Society did it. Yeah. If I had. My, royal you. We, we're talking. That's that's the,
0: the bread I'm breaking here. I'm willing to cross these lines and. Talk okay. to the youth over here, Yemen.
1: Yes. <laughs> we we appreciate it.
0: Well, you're going to hit an age eventually where you're going to be psyched that I'm looking at you like this. Okay. Really? You should already as I'm. Yeah, I am. A, a fucking heartbeat away from goddamn 40, Dan. Yeah. I would love to be where you're at on the time spectrum than where I am. I'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> there you go. You'll be watching. Be there soon enough. The jackass film series in, in no time flat.
1: They'll be in Library of Congress by then. I mean, you know, what?
0: <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't doubt it. And I mean, just with anything with that franchise, I'm, I'm on the line, you know, I'm both psyched and disappointed for society. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a tough call. It's a really tough call. And, you know, it just, the end of the day, it's how our own individual expression and of art and how we take it. That's what is important. And that's how we should make friends, you know, well said, there's shitty people
1: that can like good things and vice versa. Yeah. I mean that's why and, we're uh, here. Yeah, art, art comes in all different shapes and sizes, so, you know, different forms and What
0: do you like, little or small?
1: <laughs> hey, that's the <laughs> same thing. <laughs> Big or little? <laughs> I, was saying, I was like, is this like a weird philosophical question? I should have uh, rolled with it. Yeah.
0: It's Mike's fault. Sorry about that, dude.
1: It's okay. It's, he's doing is, he's
0: doing his best.
1: It's Sunday morning, you know.
0: It Sunday afternoon, but Yeah.
1: It feels still like feels like
0: morning. the morning, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oscar night,
1: <laughs> yeah. Considering I haven't seen any of them, I, I'm not going to be watching. <laughs>
0: Who's your prediction, Dad? Drop a prediction now. We'll see by when this is released on Thursday how right you were. Uh,
1: just best, takes, best picture. Who
0: takes home best picture? Yeah.
1: Even though I haven't seen, it, I'm assuming it's going to be Drive My Car. That's my that's my guess.
0: That would be great. I if I had to make assumptions, it sounds like it's either going to be that Coda movie, which I didn't see. Yeah. Or like any of those, or like fucking, they'll give it to Spielberg, you know, like something like that. Yeah. Some upset, but that's okay. I feel I'm like Drive, super my Car, invested in this
1: yeah, one. Drive My Car has such a, a lot around it, I feel like. I feel like it's gotten a lot of fanfare. So, I mean, not that that always equates, but I guess in my mind's eye, I was thinking maybe that one seemed the most likely.
0: Yeah, but I seem, it feels like if it's like a foreign film, it's true. Like, it's almost like yeah. the one time that you can trust it because it takes a lot for, you know, your standard American audience to watch something like that. So if you're doing it, it must be pretty darn special. Yeah. Or at least have something to say, which so many movies don't really.
1: Right. Which is sad, but it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I haven't seen any of them, so I can't really speak about it personally, but you know, it's also why I'm probably not going to watch it. What's the newest movie you've seen at this point? You think the newest like to release date? yeah like yeah honestly probably the newest dune oh okay. no that got a theatrical use yeah i i saw i saw the new texas chainsaw massacre so i guess that probably, okay. that's that's probably the new that's probably the newest one
0: which did you prefer between that and dune <laughs> one of those are actually nominated for best picture and the other uh maybe should have been i don't know um
1: well i think i, I i've discussed my disappointment with dune I, yes. I mean i would say dune's definitely a much better made film i think that's you know. That's true. Um, but as far as like enjoyability, I mean, it wasn't a great movie, but I mean, Texas Chainsaw was a lot of fun to watch. It was very short.
0: No, let's say uh, shorter, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was very short. Um, I think it was like it was like an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. It was wow. You don't get very, that very much
0: off it
2: anymore.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it was fun. Uh, it had a couple moments. Like I said, it wasn't wasn't the best, but I enjoyed it. I, I am a fan of the, that franchise. So, you know. I had some friends say like yeah it's a quick watch if you're bored on a on a weekend afternoon watch it and I did and yeah it was it was what I wanted for that that moment so nice. I enjoyed it I enjoyed it for that sake I mean like I said it's not not the best movie in the world but I thought it was more enjoyable uh, I've do heard awful
0: it? things about that movie actually like I've actually heard there's a there's a passionate anger towards that movie yeah
1: yeah I have heard that uh, it's fine I mean I, like I said I didn't love it it yeah. was enjoyable cuz like if you're I'm a fan of think- the
0: franchise do you think it comes through
1: I think so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like the best out of, out of all of them in any... Is it a straight one. reboot? No. It's it's like, it's kind of like Halloween, like New Halloween, where they kind of like retconned it. So it's like... Oh, they th- th- this they is shaved supposed- off a couple sequels? Right. So this is like supposed to be a, a direct sequel to the very first one. Oh, okay. It kind of, it dismisses everything that happened, like in all the sequels. And it's basically just like, it's 40 plus years afterwards and the lone survivor from the first one has been trying to hunt Same all actor. Along. I want to say yeah but I'm not 100% sure I didn't look that up but I'll look it up right now uh, let's see. no so the original actress that played it was Marilyn Burns and she died in 2014 so no it was a different actors okay um but
0: close enough huh
1: yeah it, it had a couple scenes I mean it here's my question yeah
0: was it better than any of the sequels that actually did come after it originally? Like, was it worth the retcon?
1: No, because I have I have a fondness for the awful sequels, like the, the the right direct sequels, like after, like especially three and and uh, next generation, which I know are pretty divisive. But I happen to really like those those movies. So you know, for for me, it's like I'm not looking at it from like a cinematic standpoint. I'm looking at just like the vibe, my enjoyability of it. Like, that's how I perceive a lot of, like, the kind of maybe not so great horror sequels. It's like, you're not watching them because, like, they're these, like, amazing movies. You're watching them just because, like, of a certain vibe or certain experience that you have with them, you know? So that's the way I look at it.
0: Well, Fancy Dan, I can't think of a better segue than that. Let's get into it. Episode 65, Moonrise, released October 1st. 1948 from old republic pictures we're back at poverty row although this is a a a pretty row i would say it's a good looking one from the old poverty we're directed by frank borzage screenplay by borzaghi borzaghi thank you (laughs) feel free to continue to do that dan yes uh screenplay by charles f haas who also produced and is based on the novel moonrise by theodore strauss Mm
1: -hmm. welcome to the show and a quick note this was like a um I guess you could technically call it like a prestige picture, but I mean, this was definitely like Republic trying to compete with the major studios. So like this was not an A or B
0: movie for them. It was an A movie. Absolutely.
1: Right. They're trying to compete with, I mean, they were at that, this point they were trying to get like, they're trying to get John Ford. They're trying to get, you know, all these big directors to come in and, and make pictures for them and and trying to compete um, and trying to get some, some, some star power uh, behind it. And yeah, this is definitely more on the expensive side for sure. For, for Republic.
0: It was about $850,000 budget, yeah. which is quite high. Usually they were doing Westerns around this time, which they would budget at $50,000.
1: Right. Yeah. So you can see, I mean, that's case of point right there. Um, but then that- weirdly enough,
0: despite that, they still would try to save the costs by filming on only two sound stages for the entire movie for all 30 different scenes throughout. So it's like a weirdly like, Claustrophobe, good-looking claustrophobia it's it's quite bizarre um
1: this movie is is fascinating to me i it's just a work of art honestly (laughs) i mean that's the best way i could i was trying to think of like a way to describe this movie it's just it's 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 interesting it's just very very interesting
0: we will get into it we're gonna go ahead and open it's a rainy night rainy night for a hanging (laughs) if we don't know why but someone's getting hung yep exactly then, then we get a nice shadow Leading up to the noose, it's great. And then it transitions to a swinging doll in a baby's crib. Uh, And this is funny. You get a baby crying, but the baby's performance clearly suggests otherwise. It is not as bummed out as that recorded track, but that's fine. You know, you'll see more torture throughout this movie um, among the innocent. But you get some amazing bullying right now from a young Jerry Sykes. Whoever that kid was really killed it. (laughs) It looks like a little shit. And uh, leads to a fight. We see a young Danny Hawkins and uh, shout out. I actually know a Danny Hawkins, so that was very fun to to hear throughout. But uh, shout out to him from uh, football, etc. The drummer and a band I knew, Little Compass tape coming out on Sludge People retrospective soon enough. But there you go.
1: There also, you go. Real, real quick, uh, it's very rare that I find a, a film noir that has a character with with my name in it, which is odd, but or it doesn't happen as far as the main character goes. So. Got to give a yeah. shout out to that's to pretty a character good. Named, named Dan
0: <laughs> is good, but it's I don't know if this is the character you want to be associated with,
1: unfortunately. But
0: I'm still looking yeah. for a good Joey myself, so I understand the struggle.
1: Not even the bullet for Joey, oh <laughs> boy, with no Joey
0: in it, yes. Uh, which will fun enough, Dan will have a, a related fact for a bullet for Joey, if, if you will, yeah. But yeah, this Danny Hawkins, he's fighting against everyone and they even start to tar and feather him. It looks like mud in this scene, but looking into this movie, you could tell they, they said it was tar and feather. They were even told to tone down the scene a little bit because, you know, you can't tar and feather children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but this it, whole
1: sequence is like so surreal and yeah. dreamlike and just the way it's shot is just uh, is amazing. It's great. And then now we segue, we're in the woods
0: at night. You know, everything's moving very fast. It's very confusing, but you're just along for the fever dream of it all. And uh, we're at a swamp called Brothers Pond. We're outside of a dance hall and the camera is spinning around and setting the scene. And then we see an adult Danny and Jerry, who shout out to Lloyd Bridges. Mm -hmm. Great to have him, although we barely get him. It's a very like kind of like Cloris Leachman Mm. type. And uh, what's the movie, Dan? What am I...
1: You're thinking of Beverly Hillbillies, the movie. That's... Yes, exactly. <laughs> Not murder my sweet, after all. Yes. She is great in that movie,
0: though. No, I... Having recently watched it, special I, sh- I I love her for Mary Tyler Moore. So she's she's I'm always fond of her, but she does a great job. But with digress.
1: <laughs> I so, I selected that just for you because I I know I know how you feel about that movie. Thank you, sir. And but
0: shout out to Lloyd Bridges as well. He's great. Uh, he's hilarious in this, as usual. <laughs> yeah. But Jerry's still teasing Danny about his father, who's a murderer, and the fact that he has a murderer father. So a fight begins, which is 100% need to be noted, is started by Danny. He starts this fight.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it goes on nice and long. It's, it's a good fight. Danny gets knocked against some firewood. It looks like it's going to be over. But then he, he gets some flashbacks to his torment and, and bullying over the years. And it drives him to a murderous rage. Jer- Jerry gets knocked down. He has no choice to defend himself. He's got a rock right next to him. And he hits Danny in the chest, just trying to regain some defense on this assault that happened to him. But Danny grabs that rock and bashes him in the head several times, for some reason, not realizing what happens to a person when you use a rock against the skull, because he seems to be very surprised when Jerry is dead. He's like, Jerry, you all right there, buddy? Yeah, Not, not so much. So he moves Jerry's body deeper in the woods, away from this shack that we're near I, that's not uh, Mo's Mo's Jackson's Jack, is it?
1: No, it's the. It's just like it, a random. The, yeah, I, I I think it might even be technically part of like that the 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 dance hall. It could okay, be just like, like a one side of it. Yeah, like yeah, something where they keep
0: the firewood and stuff. closer to that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, he, he pulls him deeper into the woods, and uh, he has a pocket knife that's hanging from a chain on his pants. that gets stuck on a branch and gets left behind, which. I'm sure that's not going to cause any trouble. Yeah. Uh, And now Danny heads back to the dance hall. You see his best friend, Billy, who is also an old friend of of ours, not necessarily to the show. We don't ever get to see him, but our old uh, Harry Morgan, Henry Mm -hmm. Morgan in this movie, but you can't fool us. So not with those facts that we just want. But yeah, he's handicapped. He's deaf and mute. So you can see why these two have been so close that bullying brought them together, having been bullied. And Danny breaks up this fight. And then he goes into a bathroom to clean up. And that's when he realizes his knife is gone. So he gets Billy to go with him to look for it in the woods, but they don't find it. It's a total bust. And they head back into the hall. And this is where we meet Gilly Johnson, Gail
1: Russell. Love Gail Russell.
0: Gail Russell. Uh, yes, very tragic. We'll get into yes. poor, poor Gail Russell. But yes, yeah. he does a, a great job in this. But she's Jerry's girl. They're They're engaged even, I believe.
1: Yeah, just proposed.
0: And so things are good there. So no, thank you, Danny. I'm not going to dance with you. We're, we're just pals. But he's like, come with me. Let's go for a drive with this other couple. It's, it's still a very rainy night after all, you know, mm-hmm. a night for murder after all, like just when his father got home, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: um, it, it, he's, it, he's terrible. This, this guy is a bad guy all throughout. Eid. He's driving recklessly in this rain. Everyone's telling him to slow down and he's not. And then he's hallucinating. These are great in sequences. The road. yeah with yeah. the rock
1: in the windshield yeah it's, it's yeah. great
0: and then he crashes the car
1: <laughs> yeah it spins it spins out Spins out on the side of the road
0: nearly kills these people it doesn't look good for gilly but she comes to all as well <laughs> so yeah you probably not gonna have a lot of sympathy for old danny hawkins at this point yeah or really ever in, in my opinion
1: well i mean he's he's you know i'm, I'm not i'm not necessarily you know Defending him, but I mean, he's you know one of the big things about this is is he's a tortured soul and get, kind of getting far ahead, but it's like it's like a search for redemption for him in a way, or a way to kind of free himself from this kind of like mental prison. That's that's the whole idea going on with this movie. Sure,
0: uh, but you get Dane Clark in the performance, which is you're not getting much from, and I, I don't know. I just this it was very fascinating to have this movie just be about someone who's just like so unlikable. He doesn't seem to feel any remorse for this murder whatsoever. He just feels remorse about, you know, his, his life. Like, you know, I absolutely understand that being bullied is is a terrible thing, but mm-hmm. in, in no way should have led to any of this. You know, yeah. And uh, you know, they're just—it's just fascinating that they're playing him like any kind of sympathetic character. It's just—I I just didn't find any of that to be there whatsoever. All of his actions are pretty terrible. I mean, even just with the getting in the car and the car crash he's pretty much nearly assaults Gilly, you know, like she mm-hmm. says no, and he just does not stop his pursuit. Like there's just nothing very likable or redeemable about this guy. And I found that to be pretty fascinating. You know, it's such a ugly central character, but with the backdrop of just such beauty around it, you know, like the mm-hmm. direction and, and the, the otherworldliness. I saw this movie get compared a lot to night of the hunter, just, I think because of being filmed on, set so exclusively it kind of gives it that otherworldly feeling in that regard i would definitely agree like it, it is it's just, it just it feels it feels like just like a, a fairy tale almost you know like it is mm-hmm. very otherworldly and you know you're not in a city or in the swamp <laughs> it's a, that's yeah. very interesting so danny he's like i love you gilly and she's like nope i'm engaged to jerry so that's not gonna happen I'll forgive you for nearly killing me in a car accident for some reason. (laughs) That's fine. We all have our hard days. Then we see Mose Johnson. Of course, he's at his home. It's a shack. He lives on Brothers Pond. And uh, he has bloodhounds uh, where they chase raccoons. Mm -hmm. Danny partakes in one of these hunts one night. And he climbs up a tree to try to get this raccoon out of it. And this scene was very hard to watch for me. It it, it has a real life raccoon. They're shaking out of the tree. It's very tense. It falls. And then you see the dogs go after. I mean, like just like animal rights wise, there's that, that was ugly. And then you even get a scene where Danny like kicks a dog and, you know, he doesn't actually kick it, thankfully, but they shove this dog in the water. I don't know. Just, I found all this to be very just harsh. I don't know. It was, mm-hmm. it, it, that Those were not good actions upon Danny either, you know, like sure. And, and when he, he kicks this dog, most Johnson, He's like, you know, I'm, I'm noticing something's off with you. You didn't used to kick dogs. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe something's troubling my old friend here. And also they have, you know, a conversation in the shack before. But, you know, it's fascinating dialogue. We'll get deeper into it. But the director, please say his name again, Dan. Borzaghi. Borzaghi. You know, he's mostly from the silent film era. So, mm-hmm. I mean, his direction and his work with dialogue very much, no pun intended, speaks to that.
1: And he actually despised like gangster and and what would be considered film noir. Yeah, this was era. his only only one yeah. of them.
0: You know, it's always fascinating when when someone comes into our realm and from an outsider and see what they can do. And usually, right. the, there's something pretty worthwhile.
1: There. Well, there's a great there's a great um, on the 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 Criterion the uh, the bonus feature. Uh, there's a couple of scholars uh, that talk about it and they go into the depths of the production and you learn a lot. I learned a lot from it. Um, but they mentioned that they mentioned that he just was like, did not like it one bit. He was not interested in that. And like people, whenever like stories for that, like came up for his, you know, people giving him scripts for that stuff, he would always turn it down, just never want anything to do with it. And what was so interesting is like that he just decided to do this particular picture. And it was almost kind of like, uh, in, in many ways, some of somewhat antithesis to a lot of the the standard things you would see maybe in, in what would be considered film noir now so yeah. I mean obviously it is a film noir and I think it has a lot of those elements but I think he really kind of it's like a yeah, I don't different, think, different spin kind yeah, of yeah I don't way. think we're arguing that it is a film
0: noir it's just it's just yeah. a, a different one you know like and, right. and, and that is interesting to to see like I said like an outsider come in and, and speaking of his direction I mean this was one of the cool shots immediately after where you go into that like old dilapidated mansion or whatever yeah.
2: mm-hmm. and, and, the,
0: and the, the, the zoom into it yeah. is just it was incredible that was just really maybe cool. one of my favorite shots in the movie and it, mm-hmm. it was nothing but it was everything it was really cool and then you have a a nice scene between gilly and danny she's saying that jerry is not turned up because i, I wonder maybe maybe he's dead <laughs> who mm. knows but yeah ever since the the dance no jerry but we find jerry or mose does rather his body's been rotting in the woods. And now we also meet Sheriff Clem Otis, mm. Alan Jocelyn, of course. And he's mm. like, all right, let me see what's going on here. You seem to like Gilly, who is Jerry's girl. That's a classic. <laughs> Something, <laughs> something's going on here. Let me look into this. Mm. I believe this is where we see the the soda jerk, too, right? Elmer. Oh.
1: Yeah, we see him a few times. And yeah, his, his I, I want to give uh, him a
0: special shout out. He's, he just is constantly talking in some hip language. Great slang. Yeah. He says sticky icky for the weed smokers out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he was just coming in hot. That was something else. What's buzzing, cousin? Everything hot in the slot? Stash that and dig another. It's only a blip. Hey, Elmer. Be right with you. Clear track four.
1: Very bizarre. Yeah, It was very bizarre. I, I like that touch. And I also like the. Um, you needed the old, it.
0: it you, you needed some lightning up on that.
1: Well, that guy and then the older guy that always accompanies the, the sheriff and said, who's that guy? Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and like and he's real hard of hearing. That guy. That guy is pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's some, some great side characters. And then we go to a, a shop that's selling pocket knives and, and whatnot.
1: Yeah, it's like um, a, it's kind of like a yeah. I guess like a general store hardware store kind of You could of. get those
0: things everywhere Outdoors, especially yeah. back then, but there's a very specific knife that our, our old friend Danny Hawkins likes which he bought from there once before. I I don't know why he's like trying to get it like just to replace it to have one cuz he really liked that style of knife. I
1: think it's that and I think it also maybe it, it might be reading into it too much, but that would maybe uh, if if they try to tie him to the knife, to so say if they found his knife yeah, uh, it, it would kind of give him like almost like an alibi or say, Oh, well, no, my knife's right here, you know. Either that or he had, well, like especially because he was, I guess
0: he was trying to steal it too. So that would have helped, like, Oh, someone that whoever killed this guy stole his knife. Well, my knife's right, right here, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, because the knife guy comes in, the, the guy who runs the store, and he's just like, Oh, yeah, I know you like that knife. I sold you that one recently. And last year, yeah, that's the only other one I had. This guy remembers his receipt. So not a good plan, Danny. It's not going to yeah. work out. Even though he should have been like, oh, I'm going to buy one for my old pal, Harry Morgan.
2: Mm-hmm. He
0: seemed to like it. And then we both have one. And then when they find the other one, they'd be good to go. I don't know, but nobody's planning anything. That's very seedy your pants here. Mm-hmm. Much like the podcast, And We found a way to bring it together.
2: Yes, I like that.
0: <laughs> and so Jerry's corpse, it's going into the corners. They're ready to examine this thing, even though pretty clearly his head was bashed in with, with the rock but jerry had had stolen two thousand dollars from his dad's cash box so that's not not helping with everything yeah he works at the 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 bank yeah yeah because you know of course that family is doing quite well for themselves Mm -hmm. the sykes there we go i couldn't remember so yeah um the uh sheriff i'll call them detective but the sheriff he's, he's learning that jerry owed some money to the drummer of the dance hall band so you know there's there's some Possible suspicions about this guy. Not that much of that matters, but <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: fun little red herrings for a detective to follow. Or again, mm-hmm. uh sorry, or sheriff, <laughs> miss ranking over here, Dan.
1: Well, I mean, he's 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 detecting technically. So yeah, he's a sheriff, but he's detecting.
0: He is, and he's doing a good job. He's doing a very kind of slow but methodical. Like he wants to see how this plays out and how people yeah. act. You know having been accused or his presence, making it seem like he may be accusing. He definitely
1: has a suspicions that, you know, that you kind of see. Yeah. Um, so the, I think at, at this point, do we learn, I guess we should take a second. We, we at this point, I believe we do learn why.
0: Had we learned at this point why his dad died? Or was that like towards the end? I couldn't remember.
1: That's what I'm getting to. So I, I, I think at this point we do. So we, we find out that his mom, uh, Danny's mom, like had like an issue with like the, they brought a doctor where she was sick, gave him some pills and she ended up dying that night. And then in a rage, his dad, well, the doctor
0: refused to visit her. She, what? she had taken, she had taken a turn. I don't know if like he gave pills and then he was like, come back. She's not doing so hot, but he had refused to come to her saying like that. It was, it's going to be fine. Like her condition isn't that serious. Mm-hmm. And then she died, you know, pretty quickly after. And he wasn't too pleased about that. So he yeah. took some vengeance out on the doctor. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, now, you know, there's uh, some murderous genes in this bloodline. Mayhaps they were always predestined to kill. Who knows? That's a whole theme in the in the movie. So Clem is trying to figure out if that drummer that was owed money, Ken Williams is his name. Well, he's a he singer, actually, isn't he? Could be the singer. Yeah, because he's, he's, but... he's the guy oh, crooning. Yeah. He's the guy crooning because
1: he's singing the Moonrise song, remember?
0: That's right.
1: Yeah, he's because because he, I, I forgot to mention that in the in the hall he's singing a, a song that has moonrise in it.
0: So he didn't leave the dance at all. So clearly it wasn't him. Who could it be now? I wonder.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wonder. We're running out of suspects. I think
0: exactly. But now we got to take a load off dance. So we're gonna head to the county fair for quite a scene here as well. Clem is well,
1: there? The... sorry, I I want to back up for just one second. So. One thing that I think is going to come up at this point is, is that, you know, through the the scene where they're at the manor, that there's a lot of clandestine meetings between Danny and Gilly, and she keeps trying to press him. Like, why do we have to be in the shadows? Like, why are we hiding our, like, our love, our relationship? And, and like, he's being very, like, evasive about it, obviously, but that plays a role because as we get to this fair now, you know, this is the first time where she, she starts kind of going off, like... Oh wow! Like we're out in the open now. Like everybody can see us, and it's okay. Like everything so is you know, good, yeah. right? So, so now, like there's this there's this change, and she's being a little bit more open about it. He's being a little bit more open about being out in the open with the rest of the townspeople. So, um, and that will lead us into you know what what happens next.
0: The townspeople are seeing this duo out at yeah. last, including our sheriff Clem, who's out with his wife Martha. And Gillies also tells Danny, hey, we, we found that missing knife. Billy found it, your friend Billy. So that's great. Mm. That's exactly who you want to find it. And, uh, you know, Clem's been coming by asking me some questions, just trying to figure out what's going on with Jerry. This gets Danny really freaked out. They end up on a Ferris wheel and he sees that Clem and his wife are also getting on and he gets, he freaks out. And as it's starting to go up, he like tries to get out and it, it starts going pretty high and he just jumps, jumps out
1: this whole okay. sequence is great though just the way the camera angles like it's like there's like an upshot where like the the sheriff and his wife are getting in the bottom and yeah. then you kind of see kind of an up high in the distance you see Gilly and, and danny there and then it shifts a little bit it's kind of moving real slow and then he jumps out and then the great camera kind of like camera tricks as he's coming to like as he because he you know there's as well always he hits the ground yeah exactly <laughs> um, Yeah, the way uh, it comes
0: into focus. Yeah,
1: and Gilly's right there. He's like, get me out of here. And she's like, "Uh, I don't know. Like, (laughs) I'll see what I can do. This didn't look good, dude. Yeah. And of course, he
0: hurt himself. He's got a badly injured leg. And he limps his way over to Brothers Pond, our one of two sets. (laughs)
1: Yeah. They do a great job. They do a really economical job of making this look great. And so now we're back at
0: Moses Shack, where Billy is. And Danny is just completely out of it. He doesn't even trust his friend anymore. And he gets in a fight with him and even starts to strangle him. Hmm. Cause he even says later, like if Billy had tried to defend himself, I probably would have killed him, mm-hmm. but he, he's able to pull himself together. We got the knife all as well, but we see that uh, Clem is hot on the trail because of course this guy jumped out of a Ferris wheel. Yeah. And Clem, I don't know if at this point he's already said like, I know he's guilty. I understand why this happened. So I'm not trying to, you know, really get this guy over the edge. Like I want him to come in on his own accord. Come to me, yeah. come to me. So that way, you know, we can work something out. He'll get out of jail at some point. You know, mm-hmm. we can, we can spin this, but if he doesn't, then this guy's going to jail for We're going to hang him just like we hung his father. And so Danny runs off and he, he limps his way over to his grandmother Special shout out to Ethel Barrymore, is is mm-hmm. grandma. She does a, a great job for her her brief amount of time on the screen, mm-hmm. and she she talks about you know why her son his father did what he did, and you know she seems to have a pretty okay perspective on everything. And you she know she sent
1: him away uh, to live with his aunt, so he'd been living with his aunt because they're this is up in the mountains because they come up from the mountains, so kind of set him down to, I guess, a lower-level, lower-altitude <laughs> uh, uh, town and uh, kind of explains a little bit of the history and kind of get a little bit more of, like, yeah, like, the why and, and and you know, kind of just talks about his story and stuff like that and talked about even changing his last name at one point but said, you know what, I, I liked his last name, you know, his dad, so I'm going to keep it and kind of live on with that legacy. Probably a mistake
0: because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he didn't seem to really live well with this legacy, you know? he no it was more of a curse than, and a burden than anything that seemed to help or make him proud. He wasn't proud of his father. Yeah. But he's going to see what he can do. He grabs his father's rifle and he heads out back into the the woodsy, the foggy swamp and uh, ends up at his, his parents' graves of all places. And are uh, you really hoping that he's like, going to kill himself there? And you're like, that would be an amazing ending, but we didn't get that. Unfortunately, he, uh, he feels a little better about everything. He feels like he, he's able to forgive himself and his father at this moment. And uh, he decides he's going to go ahead and turn himself in. And so he surrenders himself to the police and they're starting to cuff him. And Club's like, all right, whoa, 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 slow down. Yes, this man is a murderer and there's no reason not to do that. But we're going to just chaperone him and let him walk to jail. Let him be a
1: man. Mm-hmm. The end. So what you, do you think?
0: Boy, I would say this was a really tough one because for everything that I just really didn't like about this movie, there'd be something instantly that would be like, ah, but I really like that. You know, like mm-hmm. the the script and the performances, I mean, I don't know how much you can blame the script because it does feel like the director tones stuff down quite a bit, but it just, there's some motivations possibly missing or and lost as a result of that. And I just feel like, Dane clark was just a turd he did nothing for me but then you'd have gail russell as Gilly johnson who was incredible and i thought she played that role very well you know and there would mm-hmm. be so many like side characters that, that kept things fun but then i you know it's like i would have loved more lloyd bridges would have been great you know like not just because i love lloyd bridges but it just felt like we didn't even get enough of that guy to begin with you just kill him and he's done we could use maybe i don't know a flashback or something i don't know i'm not i I'm not here to, to to think of what we could have done. It's just what we did have. And, you know, it just if this movie didn't like look as amazing and wasn't as just amazingly like filmed and blocked and shadowed and cinematography and, and all you know the music, the editing, like all that is so perfect. And the camera work like that stuff just blew me away. Like that stuff's a 10 and then the other stuff's a five. So, you know, I, I give it a five point five swamps out of 10.
1: Wow, so you're not even going like seven in the middle. Yeah, no, but that.
0: I, I just uh, yeah, you're
1: pulling it. You're pulling it closer to the five.
0: I'm pulling it closer to the five. I just, I, I really, it, there was, it almost could have cast someone else in the lead, and maybe I wonder if that would have done something else because I really like the idea of just like kind of a remorseless killer in a way, mm-hmm. you know, who did it. It's just more like the execution from him. It was just. Lacking something, and I understand, you know, especially looking into him, that's what he brought to the table, and that's fine, you know. Like he's he's doing what he does.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I just don't know if necessarily he was the right guy for the job.
1: So there is a um, in that bonus feature. I'm trying to remember because they they had a couple different. I think they had a couple other ideas for leading actors, and I think it was the the um, director. And he also was a cinematographer and actually worked with Borzaghi, uh, Gene Negolesco, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, I'm sure our, our listeners know him from our uh, episode with, uh, what's it called, um, Roadhouse. But uh, he had directed him in a movie called Deep Valley in 1947 with Ida Lupino. And the character that he played in that uh he felt that he had some similarities that he could bring to the table in this movie so that's how he ended up being in this movie i forget like i said I, there was another i feel like there was another uh, maybe a, a bigger name actor or a larger actor that might have been tied to this movie but i can't for life of me remember yeah, four
0: names for you dan One, yeah, you- First off is your buddy john garfield
1: that's who it was it was yeah. john garfield he was, was, he was the be closest his
0: to it um yes Jimmy Stewart was up for it. He was even mm-hmm. possibly going to direct Burt Lancaster and Alan Land, Alan Land were, or Alan Ladd, excuse Ladd, me. Yeah. Were all considered, but uh, yeah, we ended up with Dane Clark. I would have preferred any one of those, even James Stewart, who is mm-hmm. pretty low on my list.
1: Yeah, I think the, the, something happened where John Garfield was, it was, was going to originally do it. And it was like a big part of it. And then like yeah. the money fell through and that project, the project just got scrapped. And then this was like the pickup. So yeah, it, it was, wasn't. It wasn't necessarily like it, it didn't it didn't materialize obviously but it didn't materialize that well because it was going to be probably something completely different you know um, yeah and, actually in point. um
0: in 45 paramount had actually purchased the rights to yeah. adapt the, the novel which hadn't even been released yet and was serialized in cosmopolitan later that year but yeah then it was purchased from independent producers from paramount and then
2: mm-hmm.
0: here we are <laughs> mm-hmm. and they were actually even sued by uh william wellman who was originally going to be a director for this film. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was not happy about that.
1: But yeah, as I, as I mentioned, yeah, Gail, Gail Russell, I, I love her. Uh, she's great in this. Uh, she looks gorgeous in this movie. Just just great. But a very, very tragic story you know, about her.
0: Um, I also forgot to say the tagline of this movie from the poster. Um, her arms, her love, his only escape from a heritage of hate. Oof. All right. Okay. <laughs> but... It was interesting because, you know, the Borzaghi had come from silent films for so long. And yeah, like we were saying, sound was happening at this point. Mm-hmm. But he even said in an interview in 1936, quote, I still feel an irresistible urge to direct a movie with no dialogue, with no other sound than incidental music. I arrange it so my films have the least amount of dialogue possible. And when they were uh, promoting Moonrise, he, he was still given similar quotes. And in fact, uh, one of the... Uh, exhibitor manuals for this movie said, quote, Borzegi wanted to bring back a little bit of silence to the screen to mute some dialogue, to give the camera more scope and leeway as a narrator, a good example of the effectiveness of a properly used camera is seen in Moonrise. Mm -hmm. And this, what the technicals of this movie were recognized. It did speaking of Oscar mania, Dan, it did receive an Oscar nomination for best Mm -hmm. sound recording to Daniel J. Bloomberg in 1948. Mm -hmm. Didn't win, but good job, everybody. As far as uh, our actors, we got Dane Clark, Danny Hawkins. Uh, He labeled himself Joe Average (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and successor. Uh, Here's a quote from him on that. Uh, Quote, the only thing I want to do in films is be Mr. Joe Average, as well as I know how. Of course, anyone whose face appears often enough on screen is bound to have Bobby Soxers after him. All right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) For autographs. Old Bobby Soxes, if you will. But what I really get a kick out of is when cab drivers around New York lean out and yell, Hi, Brooklyn, when I walk by. They make me feel like I'm putting it across okay when I try to be Joe Average, end quote. And he was born in Brooklyn, so he, of course he wants to be called, hey, Brooklyn.
2: Yeah.
0: Graduated Cornell, got a law degree. And um, during the Great Depression, he worked as a professional boxer a minor league baseball player, construction worker, and a model. You know, typical slumming wow. at jobs. I'm sure we all worked that during uh, the pandemic, of course. Who could forget our modeling career, Deb? I can't. Exactly. I'll never Dane, forget it. Dane Clark couldn't forget it either because, of course, modeling brought him to acting, first in the theater and then in film, where he was signed to Warner Brothers in 1943. And exhibitors voted Clark the 16th most popular star in the U S box office in 1945. I guess that's pretty good. Yeah. Something. But back then there's also like less. I mean, maybe that's not so good. Tough call. And apparently shooting deep Valley, which Dan had just spoken about with Ida Lupino, uh, he and Ida Lupino were engaged. They became engaged. They fell in love. Mm -hmm. But when she took him home to meet her family, He didn't like them. He called them, quote, leeches and freeloaders. And then he called off the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. Old Joe Average doesn't love the Joe Averages, huh? But he loved bowling. And we almost had him in a couple of movies, Dan, that we've done. He was considered but never screen tested for The Asphalt Jungle and 99 River Street. Those would have been worse movies because of him, I think. (laughs) And in 1996, old James Cameron tried to call him out of retirement to see if he wanted to star in and to be one of the stars of Titanic as captain Edward John Smith, but he had some health issues and he was unable to do it.
1: So I think he passed away shortly thereafter. Yeah. A year or two after that. Yeah.
0: The shame it would have been a hell of a way to go out. I, I wonder why James Cameron wanted him so badly.
1: Maybe he was a fan. I don't know.
0: Maybe he's the guy to ask before it's too late. Otherwise it's just lost to the uh, echoes of Wikipedia.
1: Yeah. We'll now,
0: speaking of echoes of Wikipedia, Poor Gail Russell, or Gilly Johnson. Right off the bat, not poor, because as we said before, she was a total babe and Hollywood recognized this. And she made it to Paramount Pictures in 1942, signed a contract with them when she was 18. But she was not a natural actor. She was very shy, almost clinically so, and had no experience in acting. But they were like, you're going to be great. We're going to hire you an acting coach. You'll figure it out. And she later said, quote, Suddenly there was this terrific amount of work for myself and no time to myself. It was that way for 10 years, end quote. I relate to that line completely, (laughs) (laughs) Damn, That's even sadder. She found great success in The Uninvited, which was directed Mm -hmm. by Lewis Allen of Illegal and Bullet for Joey fame. There's our segue. Mm -hmm. But it was a tough set. And the producer, Charles Brackett, said that filming with her proved to be very difficult. She would cry on set a lot claiming to have a, a sore throat, but she was crying because Lewis Allen had made her wear a hat for a scene, which she didn't want to wear. Mm-hmm. And she could really only do about five or six lines before bursting into tears. And this was around the time where she had taken up drinking, which would be the worst thing to ever happen to her.
1: Trying to trying to calm her nerves. Exactly. That was the suggestion. Yeah. Yes.
0: Uh, Yvonne Carlo actually said that it was actress Helen Walker who took Russell under her wing and, quote, introduced her to the tranquilizing benefits of vodka. Mm. (laughs) And yeah, Paramount didn't like that. And they didn't renew her contract. But she did star with John Wayne Mm -hmm. in The Angel and the Bad Men in 1948. Mm -hmm. And even John Wayne's wife during divorce proceedings thought that they had slept together, but they denied it. And yeah, from here, a lot of drunk driving charges and crashes, crashing through buildings, crashing into people before she lived in a very small house she lived alone and she tried to stop drinking but it, it didn't work out and she was found dead at age 36 uh, with an empty vodka bottle by her side and a house full of empty bottles and of course died from liver damage as you do from drinking
1: yeah just just a shame I mean she's in she's in a, a night as a thousand eyes with um, Evergy Robinson which I, mm-hmm. I really like and we might be able to.
0: Yeah, but a lot of great May- horror May movies in. from the era yeah. for her, and, and definitely worth checking out. You know, maybe when we get sick of this podcast and we do the early horror movies podcast, maybe that's the Patreon. Who knows? But well, I will, I will credit like that.
1: That one in particular, I'd say, it, it, it definitely walks the line between horror and film noir. So I, I feel like we could probably make a case to we got an October. Flip that in there.
0: Yeah, well, possibly. And then Want- Frank needs Ford- some, ga-
1: need some more Gail Russell in, in my life.
0: Um, Frank Borzegi, Borzaghi, Borzaghi,
1: Borzaghi, Mm -hmm.
0: thank you. Uh, Very prolific film director and even actor starting in 1912. Mm -hmm. Most known for Seventh Heaven in 1927, Street Angel in 1928, Bad Girl from 31 and his adaptation of A Farewell to Arms in 32. And he Mm -hmm. worked up until 61. This is actually his fourth from last film. So he was definitely at the height of his powers during this film.
1: There's a movie that I wanted to see that he directed called history is made at night, which criterion just put out fairly recently, which I haven't seen, but mm-hmm. apparently is also really excellent. Apparently it's really good. Uh, well-shot movie. So I'm, yeah, I mean, really I think you can count out. on
0: it being a well-shot movie for him. Um, yeah. Yeah. His father was from Italy and his mother was from Switzerland and they immigrated to the U S first in Pennsylvania before heading West to Salt Lake city where he was born. He first worked with a touring company before focusing on acting in Hollywood. Acted in westerns and comedy shorts in 1912. He was alternated before leading roles or villains. And then he was able to direct in 1915 with his debut film, The Pitch O' Chance. Uh, He directed 14 films between 1917 and 1919 alone. And his biggest success in the silent era was 1920s Humoresque, which starred Mm -hmm. Vera Gordon. A lot of the themes we saw in this film today would often show up in his films. They're very sentimental, romantic. They have lovers in trouble, usually in trouble with a theme uh, against a historical backdrop, like the Great Depression or World War I. Mm -hmm. Um, And then around 1937, with Greenlight, his films started to take a more spiritual turn. But they're always usually quite visually striking, like today's film, thanks to his innovative camera work and lighting. And he was the first person ever to win the Academy Award for Best Director. Mm -hmm. He won twice uh, for Seventh Heaven and then for Bad Girl. He's also a licensed pilot. And his final film, he was the original director of Journey Beneath the Desert in 1961. But he was too sick to continue directing. And actually, old friend of the show, Edgar G. Ulmer, who did Detour. He -hmm. took over that film. And Brzezeghi was uncredited for the sequences he actually did direct. He also briefly appears... As a character in the novel from 1935, they shoot horses, don't they? Uh, he mm. just shows up in the dance marathon watching. And then the person who narrates the book sees him and is like, hey, I like your work and maybe I'll be a director. I don't know if that scene was in the movie. I don't remember, but mm-hmm. <laughs> so, that's a cool, cool. He made it in there.
2: Yeah, interesting.
0: Um, he was married to vaudeville and film actress Lorena Rogers, also known as Raina, from 1916 to 1941. And then in 1945, he married the ex wife of Red Skeleton, Edna Skeleton. (laughs) I just love that someone just has the last name Skeleton,
1: kept it. But they were. It's it's Skeleton. Skeleton, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, I wish it was Skeleton. (laughs) I know, I
0: know. Uh, But they were divorced in 1949. And um, he would pass away from cancer in 1962, the age of 68. Quote from him I saw that kind of made sense for this film was make the audience sentimental instead of the player make the audience act which I would say is uh, applicable for Dane Clark's performance mm-hmm. and that's gonna do it for Moonrise this was also one I had a uh, difficulty remembering the title of up until doing this like I would go Moonlight you know Moon everything but
1: Moonrise Kingdom
0: there you go that that kept coming up when they're like did you mean that I'm like no 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 just keeping it
1: 1948 also there's Tide. Mm. This is a 1942 film noir with uh it's a Fritz Lang film so it could get confused with that potentially. <laughs> so there's definitely a lot of uh moon noir. Yeah, moon 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 plays a role. But yeah, I I really like this one. Yeah, I mean, it, like you said, I mean, it's not, you know, there's maybe things about it that aren't aren't so great, but in general, yeah, I I like I like the atmosphere. The in general, the general atmosphere, the just You can put this
0: movie on mute in the background and like put on a record and and you (sighs) feel great. Like it it looks so good. Absolutely. There's a a
1: gothicness. There's the, there's the, you know, the uh, German expressionism, you know, in it. It's just like it has kind of all these different kind of elements tie it in it's just it's just great i i, I really enjoy it like you said at the beginning it's like kind of like a fever dream of a, of a film noir and i, I kind of the whole thing that. honestly yeah, yeah like yeah like from from
0: start to finish even when it is like literal fever dream in the beginning but yeah like the whole thing just it and with the two sets it is just a weird claustrophobic like happening
1: and mystical almost in a way it's yeah just a very, as long very as you surreal. ignore
0: the performances and the failures of the plot it's a fantastic movie Yeah i'd like to see more from him like just based off of the visual style like it was it it's strange to not like a movie but be like oh my god i want to see more (laughs) like it was just it just like i think you know it almost was like that he you said that he didn't like film noir and and yeah you know maybe that's that lack of love fails in the plot but yeah the love of film in general Mm shows in the movie so yeah i mean that's it's fascinating i i didn't care for it can't recommend it enough (laughs) (laughs) as it goes just Um, as as confused as i am yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah i I totally get it everybody but yeah no it's 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 a very conflicted 5.5 for me but maybe the score will go up or go down next week we will see but we're gonna stay in 1948 we're gonna stay under the moon rise this time though they live by night dan
2: I knew that I had to go. You talk too much. Please, mister. Uh-uh. Please. Yeah. <laughs> How to get to that brother of yours and get that dough you got stashed away. Let's go, let's go.
1: go I haven't watched this in a very long time.
0: I haven't watched it in quite a quite a moonrise. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the many moonrises since you've watched it.
0: But that comes to an end next week. I don't know how we could hype it up any better than that. But In the meantime, the real out of the podcast at gmail.com. You can tell us how to hype it up better. (laughs) Tell us how to do our jobs. Take over
1: for the podcast.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that'd be great. We're looking for new hosts. (laughs) It's a package deal, though. We need to replace both of us, not just one of us. Yeah, right.
1: Correct. That
0: would be so good. Um, Please take this baton. You can also try to take it from us on Instagram, out of the podcast. Twitter, out of the cast. Facebook out of the podcast, Apple podcasts, Spotify, others everywhere. Yeah. It's out there. Wherever you uh, smash on that pod. Yeah. Maybe we'll take it away from some places.
1: <laughs> just a just a mess with everybody. We'll take it
0: off of Walmart podcasts.
1: Do they have a podcast thing? What if they did? Probably, right? I, I, at this point in, in time, I, I, nothing surprises me. The Target me, so. cast.
0: Yeah, like, hey, come yeah. listen to the history of Target on our podcast. A 12-part history with special guest Sears. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Welcome to 2020. Two. Two, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I have bad news for you. A lot of stuff has happened <laughs> you're gonna I mean, want to sit down you're gonna want to sit down
1: i i think it's time for me to go take a nap or something
0: hey yeah. all right um, i think it's time for all of us to take a nap we will not awake from the slumber for one week that is our promise we shan't be yeah. breaking but thank you for listening everybody and yeah i got something i can
2: use yeah. uh it's a crime it's a crime keep it up <laughs> keep up the crime <laughs>